All right, and we have a few announcements. Again, it's August 6th, and uh, first Sunday of each month, we kind of like to use this to kind of welcome people who have been visiting us to, throughout the summer. I know a, a number of families have come in, and uh, in your seats there, there's some information packets, information cards that uh, we like to make you aware of. Also, uh, if you're new to the church, one of the things you may notice, uh, as opposed to other churches, is during offering, we don't pass you know, a basket or a bag like we used to. Uh, actually, we have a number of ways for you to give here at the well. Uh, there's the church app. You can do it, uh, you know, kind of online if you're technically savvy. You can still, uh, you know, we have giving boxes. We have offering boxes if you still like to write checks or do it that way as well. Uh, but we really encourage you here, again, uh, seek the Lord. The Bible says that God loves a cheerful giver. And, you know, the reality, you just, several years ago someone asked, hey, can you just... um kind of maybe monthly publish how we're doing financially. You know, we try to be really, really good stewards here. And, and if, you're, if you've been in church any length of time, you know that summer with all the traveling, you know, giving tends to dip. And so if you look in the bulletin, we haven't got the updated numbers for July yet. But you can see that that's kind of, again, uh, this summer, you know, giving has dipped again. And so we just encourage you, seek the Lord. God loves a cheerful giver. There's a lot of ways to give here at the well. And, uh, you know, we try to be good stewards and let... Uh, let God be glorified in all that's happening. And in fact, we do want to give a couple praise reports. Last Sunday, we celebrated incredible baptism, baptisms, right? Amber and uh, the Walker boys, just a, a great time on the patio. And, uh, you know, I, I shared before we baptized them, you know, when I see that, I'm just so blessed because it reminds me that God is still alive and well that he's still speaking to people, and people are still listening, and they're responding in faith and obedience. And all of us really play a part. And when someone gets baptized here, um, you know, sometimes it takes a while, and what they've done is they've been coming, they meet you, they fellowship, they worship together, uh, they're in Bible studies, and when God's timing, you know, they'll respond in faith and obedience. So uh, that was a, a wonderful celebration of a we moment last Sunday with those baptisms. And then uh, after church last Sunday, we went to the Continuing Care Center. We call it Triple C around here. It's uh, kind of a residential care facility behind Ojai Hospital. And, man, it was so great to be back there. We have been going to this facility. We started as a church, so it's, we've been connected with them for 13 years. And we would go pretty much every Sunday and do a chapel, or every month and do a uh, chapel. And... Uh, with the pandemic and everything that happened, that kind of got shut down. And so last Sunday was our first time since the pandemic back. And we are so excited. There was 12 residents came out, and it was just an incredible ministry. And so we want to invite you next month when we go. Come on out, Triple C. Um, you know, it's humbling also because you go there, and they're so joyful. Many of them actually watch our service every week, so they're part of our church family. And you go there, and it's humbling because you're reminded that this is where they live. Right, And we get to come in and we get to bless them. Uh, we did some worship, a little devotional. And then we just got to get to know them and smile and, and enjoy about, what, half an hour, an hour with them. So next month, I want to encourage you to come on out. One of the things we also used to do at uh, Triple C is in Christmas, at Christmas we would uh, do caroling. How many of you have gone caroling? Right, And we do a big carol. We walk around and, and then we have big uh, you know, food and everything. And uh, we're looking forward. We're going to bring back Christmas caroling at Triple C uh, this this Christmas, and we're going to invite you all out because, again, it's right here. And sometimes, you know, we have wonderful ministry. Mark's going to talk about ministry in Mexico. But we forget that sometimes there's ministry right here in your own hometown every week. And so I encourage you, pray for Triple C, pray for the residents there, and then join us next, next month. It's a great opportunity to kind of get your feet wet in what it is to just go love people, the simplicity of loving people. Okay? And uh, Kathy, come on up. got some announcements about women's ministry. Hello. Uh, the Women uh, Ministry is having a workshop it's this Saturday, card-making workshop. Uh, it'll be at 10 o'clock. It'll be here. There's still room to sign up. Uh, we'll make three to four cards. And I, this, um, so I am the lucky recipient of getting some cards from Christine that she has made. She's going to be doing the workshop. And so this is just one of them that she sent to me on my birthday so um so they're just nice looking fun looking uh and i just i kind of want to say it just as a blessing it's really something that if you give to someone else 
it truly is a blessing for them to receive um, something, you know, from you personally. So anyway, there's still uh, spaces to sign up, uh, and uh, we'd love to have you there. Thanks. Um, I just wanted to do the last announcement about Mexico. This is uh, just the first of many about uh, many of you who come here regularly know all about the trip we took in June. We had 23 people go down and build two houses. Well, we have trip number two coming up. Um, it's only about 12 weeks away, so it's really not that far away. It's going to be October 29th to November 4th. We've got quite a few people who've already signed up uh, from a variety of, of churches, so we encourage you, I encourage you, to really just go to the Lord and ask the Lord. Does he want you to go to Mexico? Um, and that's not the only way. We've talked about this many, many times to support these trips. Um, certainly prayer, prayer for the team, prayer for the YWAM staff that we partner with, and prayer for the families that we will be building for. We don't know who they are. We won't actually know until a week or two before we go. And then financially, we have a pretty aggressive financial goal every time we go. It costs about 14 14 5 to build one house. We're building two. So the financial goal for October, and that's only 12 weeks away, is $29,000. Um, I've been doing this for 25 years. The Lord has met our financial need every single time, every time. And I know he's going to do it again. But again, it's just an opportunity for you to join in and help with that. We are going to just to Stick on your calendar late July, I'm sorry, late September, we're going to have another taco bar uh, that Tyler Morris and his crew and Dio kind of put together for us. Going to do that again in late September as a way to kind of raise money for this effort. But be praying about it. If you're interested, have any questions, see me anytime. Well, this morning we are going to jump back into the Gospel of Mark. And, uh, you know, we started this a bit ago and it kind of through the summer everything that happens, we kind of start and stop. We're going to jump back to the Gospel of Mark. And one of the things that characterizes the Gospel of Mark is it's the Gospel of action. In fact, when we first started, you know, uh, there was a word immediately. The word immediately occurs in the Gospel about 40 plus times. Because this is one of those Gospels where, you know, there's not necessarily a lot of foundation laying. This is Jesus in action, right? He's moving. And we learn... Uh, primarily through the Gospel of Mark, by watching Jesus and being with Jesus as he's in active ministry. And, and today, uh, we're going to really, I think, be challenged and encouraged. And I think the potential for a radical transformation this morning, uh, we're going we're gonna to see Jesus do something that many of us, when you read this passage, you may just kind of gloss over. But I think as we open the word today, some of us may have a hmm moment. Go, wow, I never realized that there was so much packed into that verse that many of us probably just uh, gloss over. So in, in Mark 1, we saw last time we were here that in verse 32, Jesus had done incredible ministry, right? He had been casting out demons, healing a whole lot of people. And in verse 32, it had said this, that evening at sundown, they brought to him all who were sick or oppressed by demons. And the whole city was gathered together at the door. And he healed many who were sick with various diseases and cast out many demons. And he would not permit the demons to speak because they knew him. So Jesus, you know, this is kind of like his coming out party for his ministry. Demonstrates his authority, his power. And this whole city gets rocked because Jesus shows up and he's healing people and he's casting out demons. And in fact, that verse says the whole city was shaken, right? And now they all come to his door, right? Word spreads. And, and it's interesting because the passage we're going to look at is verse 35 to 39, and this is what this is. It says, And rising very early in the morning, while it was still dark, he departed and went out to a desolate place, and there he prayed. And Simon and those who were with him searched for him, and they found him and said to him, Everyone is looking for you. And he said to them, Let us go on to the next towns, that I may preach there also, for that is why I came out. And he went throughout all Galilee, preaching in their synagogues and casting out demons. So again, get the picture. Jesus, the night before, the day and night before, incredible ministry, nonstop. People come to the door. You know, they want to be healed. They want demons cast out. Exhausted, probably. And the very next morning, what is he doing? He's praying. Now, don't raise your hand, but how many of you might have slept in? Right? Great ministry. Right? 
did a whole lot. You're thankful God's using you, right? And you're like, you know what? I deserve a break. I'm just going to hit snooze like five times. How many of you at least hit snooze once in the morning? How many of you have the habit of snooze, right? Isn't that interesting? It's like, why don't you just move your clock back? Because you hit the, you, you get out of bed at the same time, right? Isn't that interesting? So Jesus doesn't hit the snooze button. He doesn't sleep in. And in fact, when it says very early in the morning, uh, if you were calibrating that time, that would be that period of time in that, that clock, that would be 3 a.m. to 6 a.m. So he gets some, up sometime before uh, 6 a.m. It's still dark. And he goes out to a desolate place. Okay? So even though he's done a ton and God has used him greatly and he's probably physically uh, exhausted, maybe hungry, he, his priority is still prayer. His priority is still prayer. And, and we're going to look at that today. Kent Hughes says this, Though Jesus was God, he did not live his life as God apart from the Father, but rather as a man in dependence upon God. And we're going to look at that. And specifically, we're going to focus on, on this discipline of prayer. And I really just kind of want to encourage you here, encourage you at home, or whenever you're, you're watching this, just let God kind of speak to your heart. And, and maybe a little bit uncomfortable, you know, because prayer, as we're going to see, is one of those things that, for whatever reason, we can kind of let slide at times or in seasons of our life, for whatever reason. And we're going to look at that, and I'm hoping that by the end of today, your prayer life and your, your, not just your prayer life, but how you view prayer could be radically transformed, okay? And so we're going to focus in, in Mark one thirty six. It says, Simon and those who were with him searched for him, and they found him and said to him, everyone is looking for you. And he said to them, let us go on to the next towns, and I may preach there also, for that is why I came out. And then he went out. So in those two verses, right? So we're reading, and this is one of those passages, again, you can skip over, because, oh, okay, Jesus did a lot of ministry. He got up and he prayed. But these verses kind of clue us in, and this makes, makes this passage very relevant for us today. Because Simon and his boys, and maybe the women, they're looking for Jesus. They get up the next day, too. And they're like, hey, where's Jesus? I don't know. Where's Jesus? I don't know. Let's go look for him, right? I don't know. Right? So they're searching for Jesus, and eventually they find him. And what do they say? Hey, everyone's looking for you. Kind of like, hey, what are you doing? We got things to do. Right? And we know that his schedule was filled. He even says, we got towns to go to. We got demons to cast out. Right? How many of us, how many of you here, how many of you home, your schedule for the week is already full? Anyone? Right? It's full. You got things to do. Maybe even today, you're already, the rest of your afternoon's planned out or the evening, tomorrow, right? And, and they show up. And I just, this, think about this. Kind of what you get here is like, hey, come on, get with the act. Come on, Jesus. Sun time, it's wait, come on, get up, we got to go. Where you been? Everyone's looking for you. Why are you just praying? Anyone? Okay, I'll make it closer to home. Anyone ever say, I'll pray later? Get up, you got your to-dos, maybe you slept in a little bit, and prayer some. How, for some reason, gets pushed down the priority list. Ah, I'll do it at lunch. I'll do it on my drive-in. And how many of us, if we're really honest, had the best intention of praying later and never got to it? My hand's up. Right? Why? Why? Why is that? Because we've seen before when we did the study on the Lord's Prayer that the word pray, the Greek is pros uhomai. And that's two two. Aspects of that word. Pros means before, to face toward, and uhal, uhmai, is to utter. So as believers, as followers of Jesus, as children of God, we have this incredible privilege to come before the face into the presence of God. God of the universe, Abba, our Father. We have this incredible privilege, 24-7, 365, to come face-to-face into the presence of God right now, today, and yet, got to go. Got to beat the traffic, right? Got to check my email, right? Got to check, got to look at the news this morning, right? How is it that we can 
at times, maybe, you know, once in a while, maybe it's turned into a season. How can we push the priority and the privilege of coming into the very presence before the face of God of the universe and we can push it down the priority totem pole in place of emails and texts and the to-dos of life. Where, what is going on? There's something going on, right? There, and, and I'm hoping that maybe a light bulb will, will, will click and help you understand you a little bit better. Help me understand me because I know as I, as I studied this, I was like, oh, my gosh, I get it now. I get it. Uh, I came across a survey. It was taken in 2019, about 2,000 people, and they found out that 59% of Americans find it extremely difficult to balance work and personal schedules. Anyone ever have a challenge balancing? Balancing act, right? I don't know who these people were, but the average participant in this survey claimed to be so busy, they only get about 26 minutes of free time a week. Now, you know, I'm like, whoa, those are some busy people. But then I look at life today. How many of you remember when like little league and none of the sports happened on Sunday morning. Anyone want to give up your generation, right? Remember that when you had kind of like Sundays where, where everything was still, even the stores were closed for quite a while. You remember that? And now what? It's just filled and filled. Every, our schedules are filled, right? And I was like, wow, 26 minutes. And then I'm like, okay, maybe, right? And then what happened, they found in this survey, is because people, we are all so busy, and our free time is so minimized, right? right? It gets less and less. What they found is that people start putting off things on their to-do lists, right? You have so much less time. So now things, they call them life administrative tasks, start getting pushed down. And here's, here's their list. In, in this, I don't know if this was the order, but, but here's a list. So you see if you have ever pushed one of these things down because you felt like you didn't have enough time. Uh, cleaning. Do this to somebody, right? I'm cleaning. Household maintenance and repairs. Anyone put off something, you know, it's broken around the house. Laundry. Anyone put off laundry? Laundry. Shopping. Going to the gym. Making appointments. Doctor, dentist, etc. Cooking. Car maintenance. Going to the bank. Paying bills. So I think it's some, in some level, right, we can resonate with this time crunch, this culture we live in where we're exposed to social media and news and everything 24-7 and, and all these responsibilities, and we can all kind of r- relate to pushing things down the priority list. So this morning the question is, how often do we push prayer down that list? Or is prayer locked and everything else moves except prayer? And this is something that, that you know, again, you and I really need to Want us to speak, be honest with how often do we lock prayer in there as priority, unmovable, or it's just as fluid as everything else because we don't have time, right? Think about this quote from Martin Luther, a very famous quote. He said, I have so much to do that I shall spend the first three hours in prayer. I'm just going to let that resonate with you for a second here. Because that is so countercultural. Because most of us say, I have so much to do that I'm going to pray in three hours. Right? Right? See, Martin Luther understood the importance, the priority of prayer. And even though life was happening to him, he understood it had to be first things first, right? And so I was doing some, some more research on this, and I came across this pastor. His name was Ben Marshall. And this, this I think, is, is really something that we don't think about too much, but I think it's going to help us today, especially in our culture, especially for, I know many of you uh, work very hard. You want to provide for your families and, and everything like that. But Pastor Marshall, really, I think, what he shares is honest, but it's very helpful. He says one of the reasons that he struggles with prayer is that prayer can feel, here it is, unproductive. You see, we're now wired to be productive. To be productive, right? Everything, the phones, everything, the technology is designed for what? 
productivity, efficiency, time saving, right? So we have, it's ingrained in us, and I really appreciate it, that we want to be feeling productive, right? Maybe you were growing up, right, and you kind of lounged around the house. Anyone of your parents ever come home and say, what did you do productive today? It was like, well, I got my high score on my video game. I mean, you know, I mean, I don't know how productive. It was productive to me, right? This idea of productiveness, and I started to really think about that. I'm like, you know what? I think that that's why a lot of us struggle with prayer because it doesn't feel like we're advancing the ball. We have this to-do list for the day, and, and here's the crazy thing. We have this to-do list very practical, pragmatic, responsible things, right? And our challenge is to pray. Okay, I'm just going to kind of be real and honest, which means give up 5, 10, 15, 30 minutes. Just, it's not only unproductive, we can view it as counterproductive in a very practical sense. Because you're like, dude, I could get a lot done in 30 minutes. I could get a lot done. I could answer a lot of emails. I could, I can cross some things off my list in 30 minutes. You want me to pray? That just doesn't seem real productive. And it's very interesting, right? I mean, think about it. Do you view prayer, do I view prayer as productive or just something that sets us back? Because now we got to get to the real stuff of life. Paying of the bills, running the errands, all this kind of stuff. And I'm really, I, 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 I'm hoping that, that by the end of the message today, you'll understand that prayer actually is very productive. It's the foundation of productiveness for us as believers. But until you make that shift, what you're going to probably be tempted to do is elevate the practical things, the productivity of a crossing off the practical things on your to-do list every day. You're going to elevate it above prayer. And when they come in conflict, you're going to use that 30 minutes or an hour of prayer to take care of business. Right? And I want to encourage you today. Don't be too busy to pray. Because prayer really is productive, right? And in fact, Jesus says, you know, prayer is, is closely tied to abiding in him. And, and there's a sense of dependence. Not only are, are we challenged with this idea of productivity, there's pride. There's self-reliance. There's this sense that I got my life together and I got my agenda for the day. And I'm just going to go right into it. And, you know, and I'll pray if something comes up when I need God in a crisis, Right? Remember what Jesus said in John 15? He said, remain in me, and I will remain in you. For a branch cannot produce fruit if it is severed from the vine. And you cannot be fruitful unless you remain in me. Yes, I am the vine, you are the branches. Those who remain in me and I in them will produce much fruit. Here it is. For apart from me, you can do nothing. Nothing like, he's talking like spiritual fruit in your life. And yet we see that that's what Jesus says to his followers. And yet we're like, yeah, but Jesus, I get a lot done. I haven't prayed. Prayer hasn't been a priority in my life for a long time. And man, I'm still getting stuff done. I'm still crossing things off the list and I'm doing pretty good. And, and we, we're challenged, I think, at the core because it's an issue of, again, pride, self-reliance. Don't want to admit we need help. We're dependent even on God. And so the prayer just keeps getting pushed and pushed down. R.A. Torrey says, we are too busy to pray, and so we are too busy to have power. We have a great deal of activity, but we accomplish little. Many services, but few conversions. Much machinery, but few results. See, that, this, this isn't just individual. This can happen in a church. This can happen in a church. We, we do services so well here. We got the AC fixed. Thank you very much, right? We go to Mexico because you've been doing it to 25 years. We know how to do the sign-ups. We know how to, we know how to. And even as a church, if we're not careful because we know how to, we don't need God anymore. And even as a church, we don't, we don't pray with the same fervency. We lose our zeal, right? Even as a church, Prayer gets pushed down on the priority list. Why? 
because we know how to do this now. We know how to do memorials. We know how to do weddings, right? We know how to do kingdom kids. We know how to do Bible studies, even online, right? The same thing can happen in your home, even as a family, as a husband, as a wife, as, with, as a parent, right? If we're not careful, we slide into, I'm good. And prayer now becomes crisis-oriented. Prayer, our prayer life, rather than being a priority daily, the basis upon which we become more productive, prayer now just becomes crisis-centered. Because for the most part, we kind of got it good, right? And so I, wanna, I really want to challenge us and, and really be helpful today and, and really say, you know, the title of the message is Prayer is Productive. And so uh, give me an outline. We're actually going to do slides because I really want you to understand the practicality, the productivity of prayer. And so prayer is productive. And the first P, right, there's a bunch of P words under productive, is perspective. Perspective. Psalm 46, 10 to 11. Be still and know that I am God. I will be exalted among the nations. I will be exalted in the earth. The Lord of hosts is with us. The God of Jacob is our fortune. Be still and know that I am God. Psalm 16, 8. I have set the Lord always before me. Because he is at my right hand, I shall not be shaken. Why is prayer productive? Because when you choose to sit and be still and set the Lord before you, your perspective changes. Your perspective changes. Mark, do you have your phone? Can I borrow your phone? I didn't bring mine. See, this is what I mean by this. Most of us, our perspective right now is this far. In our culture, this is our perspective. The distance from your phone to your eyeballs. That's your perspective. Most of us live our life right here. Right? You walk around. Right? It's crazy even in uh, Kenya and Dubai. This is most people's perspective. Literally. This is our perspective. And so when I say prayer is productive because of perspective, Psalm 46.10 says, Be still and know that I am God. I will be exalted. I have set the Lord always before me. Suddenly, you ever see those movies where they pan out? Right? They go, they zoom into the earth and then they pan out to the universe. Well, some of us, need to go from here and sit before God and let him pan you out. Amen? Because see, right now, some of you, you're consumed. This is, the, this is your perspective of, of, of your life right here, your phone to your eyeballs. And we need to sit in prayer before the face of God, not even saying anything, and let him remind us of perspective. Amen? Because I don't know about you, the more I think about issues that come in my life, the more I dwell on them, the bigger they get. Anyone? You get all wound up in knots. You get angry. You get frustrated. You get scared. You get worried. You get anxiety. Anxiety. You get discouraged. You get depressed. Why? Because your perspective is right here. And so in prayer, pros uhomai, when you choose to be still and know that he is God, suddenly you zoom out. And you, he brings all these verses that he's in control, that there is nothing too difficult for him. It's perspective. Some of us need to prioritize your perspective. And that will radically change how you engage at work. Amen? Because some of you right now, your boss is bigger than God. Your boss is consuming your thoughts. You're angry. You can... And right now, the more you think about it, your, God has, your, your boss is bigger than God in your world right now. Or whatever issue you're facing is now bigger than God. And you need to sit before God, be still, and know that he has gotten them to go, whoop! Because that will radically change your workplace tomorrow. Those issues you're facing. Prayer is productive because it changes your perspective radically, radically, okay? It's also productive, what, we, what I call preparation, right? Walking in the spirit and wisdom. Ephesians 5, so be careful how you live. Do not live like fools, but like those who are wise. Make the most of every opportunity in these evil days. Don't act thoughtlessly, but understand what the Lord wants you to do. Don't be drunk with wine, because that will ruin your life. Instead, be filled 
with the Holy Spirit. Galatians 5, since we are living by the Spirit, let us follow the Spirit's leading in every part of our lives. Prayer sets us before God, changes our perspective, and says, Lord, I need to be controlled and empowered by the Holy Spirit today. We're commanded to do that. When it says be filled with the Holy Spirit, it's continuous. Be ye being filled. And what filled is, is controlled. Anybody here have an issue with control issues? Thank you. So what prayer does is it sets me before the God of the universe and I sit there long enough to say, God, I need the Holy Spirit to be in control of my life today. Everything. I need the walk in the Spirit. I need the Holy Spirit to help me deal with everything. Now, here's, here's where confession and repentance come in. It says this in Ephesians 4.30. Do not grieve the Holy Spirit of God by whom you were sealed for the day of redemption. Let all bitterness and wrath and anger and clamor and slander be put away from you along with all malice. Be kind to one another, tenderhearted, forgiving one another as God in Christ forgave you. First Thessalonians says, do not quench the Spirit. So when you put your faith in Jesus, the Bible says the Holy Spirit comes to indwell you. You are the temple of the Holy Spirit. You have every resource of God available. But you can grieve and you can quench the Spirit. You can grieve and you can quench the Spirit's work in your life. So why is prayer productive? Because if I come before God... And he brings things in my life that I need to confess because when I sin, I am grieving and quenching the spirit. And so that's why confession and repentance as part of your prayer time is important so that what you're doing is you're confessing, I want nothing, God, to hinder the work of the Holy Spirit in my life. If there's anything in my life that is hindering, that is quenching, that is grieving the Holy Spirit's work in and through me, God, I confess it. And I ask you to forgive me. Amen? That's what we do. That's why it's so important. That's why prayer is productive because it sends us out into the day controlled by the Holy Spirit. Controlled by the Holy Spirit. I love this quote. It says, grieving the Holy Spirit is similar to quenching the Holy Spirit in that both negatively impact the believer, the church, and the world. Quenching the Spirit speaks of stifling or suppressing the fire of God's Spirit that burns within every believer. The Holy Spirit desires to express himself in our actions and attitudes. When we do not allow God's Spirit to be seen in our behavior, when we do what we know is wrong, we suppress or quench the Spirit. We do not allow the Spirit to reveal himself as he wants to, with love, joy, peace, forbearance, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control. Both quenching the Spirit and grieving the Spirit hinder a godly lifestyle. Both happen when we sin against God and follow our own worldly desires, living as we did before accepting Christ's salvation. So you see, when you come to prayer, when you come before the face of God and this, you have a time of confession, it's not just like airing out your dirty laundry and feeling bad because he, he, you know, he's convicting you. No, I confess sins. I repent of sin because I want the Holy Spirit to have free reign. Amen? And if you're wondering, like, what's going on in my life? Why am I feeling dry? And, and why don't I see God transforming? It might just be that you're quenching the Spirit in your life. And you're quenching the Spirit because there's things you need to confess and things you need to surrender because you're walking in the flesh. But you're only going to kind of sort that out, honestly, in prayer. If you take the time to pray. And this, again, I've told you, you know, so many times over the years, as a follower of Jesus, you are a new creation. This whole Christian walk is a walk in the supernatural. It really is. Love, joy, peace. It's the fruit of the spirit. It's not man-made stuff. It's not trying to be a very good moral person. What the, what the walk in following Jesus is all about, ultimately, is allowing the spirit to have his way. And allowing the spirit to bear fruit. And so we pray and prayer is productive because it's a time for me to kind of clean out what's clogging the flow. Right? How many of you ever have a shower head that gets the buildup? And you're like, man, this shower head used to be like really like. And now it's like. 
And you're like, what's going on? You look out like, oh, dude, that's kind of nasty, right? What is that, lime buildup or whatever that is, right? Well, some of us have lime buildup, spiritual lime buildup. You're like, where's the spirit in my life? This Holy Spirit, man, I used to be flowing and I would witness and I had joy and I was like alive. And I was like, shh. What happened? You might have stopped praying, which means you stopped confessing, which means spiritual lime called sin built up. And you might just have to have a time of prayer where you're like, God, I confess. I kind of slid into cruise control because I'm kind of comfortable and it's routine. And, you know, it's just humdrum, follow Jesus, you know, it's so hot and it's just, uh, and I'm, Right? And your shower head is just getting more and more clogged. Prayer is productive. It's about letting the Spirit have His way and walking in the Spirit. How many would love to just be free to let the Spirit just boom, right? Just flow. Now, that would be awesome, but it would also be like awesomely terrifying too, right? Like, oh my gosh, right? But that's the joy. That's the excitement of following Jesus, Right? So walking in the spirit, and, and, and then also another W on that slide was wisdom. When I come to God in a time of prayer, it's a time for me to get wisdom. James 1, count it all joy, my brothers, when you meet trials of various kinds. For you know that the testing of your faith produces steadfastness. And let steadfastness have its full effect that you may be perfect and complete, lacking in nothing. Here we go. If any of you lacks wisdom... Let him ask God, who gives generously to all without reproach, and it will be given him. But let him ask in faith with no doubting, for the one who doubts is like a wave of the sea that is driven and tossed by the wind. For that person must not suppose that he will receive anything from the Lord. He is a double-minded man, unstable in all his ways. In context here, when I come to prayer, I can ask God for wisdom in how to deal with the trials of life. That's the context. They're connecting the trials of life and having wisdom, which is a combination of knowledge and rightly using that knowledge biblically to face the trials that are inevitably coming. And some of you right now, I'm going to guess you're facing a trial. Have you asked God for wisdom? Or are you just dealing with it? Have you asked God for wisdom? His wisdom and how to deal with the trial you are facing right now? Or are you just in cruise control trying to figure it out? I got it. This is how I usually handle that. This will blow over. When we stop and pray, we can walk in the Spirit, get back and walking with the Spirit, and we get wisdom. I love this quote. As a Jew, James viewed wisdom as related to the practice of righteousness in daily life. It is the moral discernment that enables the believer to meet life and its trials with decisions and actions consistent with God's will. You see, when I spend time in prayer and I ask God for wisdom, what I'm asking him for is, Lord, I don't know what's about to happen when I leave this time of prayer, but praise God that because I've asked for wisdom, I'm going to trust that you're going to help me to handle it biblically. In a way that glorifies you. Where I just don't react in rage and fly off and say something I shouldn't and think something I shouldn't. But Lord, I'm going to seek you for wisdom for whatever is going to happen from this day forward. Isn't that awesome? To have wisdom. Stephen Cole says this. James realizes that in a time of trials, God's people often do lack wisdom on how to endure those trials with joy. Of course, we can ask God for wisdom in any matter in life that we face. But in the context here, it is focused on asking God for the wisdom that we need to endure trials joyfully. The important questions to ask when a trial hits are, how can I understand this trial from God's perspective? How can I navigate through this storm in such a way as to bring glory to God? How can this trial help me grow in maturity? You know where those questions get asked and answered? In prayer. When you bring this trial before God that you're going through and say, God, what are you trying to show me? God, what are you teaching me? God, how am I growing and maturing because of this? Isn't that awesome? See, prayer is productive 
Because Jesus said, we're all going to have trials and tribulations. All right, let's just do a quick survey. How many of you have ever had a trial? Okay, see, you're not alone. How many of you anticipate having a future trial? Okay, you're not alone. Question is, are you going to ask God for wisdom now that you know? That wisdom and the trials you face are connected and you ask for God. You ask for biblical wisdom, which is, Lord, show me how to handle whatever trial comes my way in a way that glorifies you and is consistent with your word. Amen? That's why prayer is productive, right? And then finally, prayer is productive because of what I call peace. Philippians 4. Do not be anxious about anything, but in everything, by prayer and supplication, with thanksgiving, let your requests be made known to God. And the peace of God, which surpasses all understanding, will guard your hearts and your minds in Christ Jesus. Specific requests with thanksgiving through prayer. I shared, you know, a story last Sunday uh, of my story. You know, we went to Kenya and all the opportunities I had and testings I had for worry and anxiety because I wasn't in control, right? And there were, I'll, I'll be honest with you, there were very many times where I was making very specific requests to God about these situations. Like specific, not like, you know, Lord, can you please take... No, I was like, Lord, let this plane please fly correctly. <laughs> I mean, I was like specific. Lord, you know the pilots. You, you know everything going on here. I mean, I was like specific. And you know what? Here's the thing. We need to be specific. He says, come in prayer, with supplication, with thanksgiving, Make your requests known to God and the peace of God. It's like, man, there were times, it was kind of funny, right? I'm requesting like super specific things that, you know, it's like, eh, it's kind of embarrassing, but I'm going to ask it anyway because it's bugging me, right? And it was so cool because I'm like, cool, God's got it. I hadn't, I, all these little things were building up, building up, and I was like, oh, wait, I'm supposed to be specific in my request. So God, can you do, 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 and would you please do, 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 and I got to tell you, the peace of God, there is a freedom when you have the peace of God. Because you're not carrying the weight of the world on your shoulders. A lot of us, your joy is gone because little by little, you've been packing things. It's either you're carrying the weight of the world or what I like to call a backpack. You put a rock in there. And some of you, man, your backpacks are filled. And rather than making requests to God regarding these, you just throw another rock in there. Come on, follow Jesus, right? No, 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 no. Prayer is productive because with thanksgiving and supplication, you make your requests known to God in prayer and you leave prayer with peace. The peace of God. That he's in control, 24-7, 365, that he's giving you the Holy Spirit, which you're now allowing to have free reign, and you're asking for wisdom. How would you like to go into the day with that? How would you like to go into every day with the right perspective, prepared to walk in the Spirit, prepared with wisdom, and having peace? Prayer is pretty productive, man. It is like the foundation. Out of all of that, go take care of life. Right? Go knock it out of the park at the academy, bro. I'm like serious, right? Perspective, preparation. They can't touch you, man. You do you in the power of the Holy Spirit. And I bet you someone's going to be like, what happened to you? It's like prayer, bro. <laughs> See, it's so much more than just a to, another to-do. I think a lot of us put prayer as a to-do, and like other to-dos, it got pushed down. Here's the thing. Flip it. Prayer is the foundation for any to-do. It's the thing you need to do first before any. It, it impacts every to-do in your life and in my life. It's the basis as believers. God has given us everything we need for life and godliness. And the conduit for everything, prayer. Prayer, right? Look at this verse. I love this. Isaiah 26. You keep him in perfect peace whose mind is stayed on you because he trusts in you. 
prayer is an opportunity to get your mind stayed on God. Amen? Because my mind goes a thousand different directions with a thousand different responsibilities and a thousand things I'm pretty upset about or concerned about or scared about or whatever it about. And sometimes when I get in prayer, I choose to turn it all off and I just sit. And here's what I want to encourage you. Sometimes I don't know where we pick it up. You know, we give you models for prayer and all this kind of stuff. Maybe for somebody here, start praying by just sitting in the presence of God. And let the words and let the Spirit kind of prompt you in what to say or not to say. Amen? Just be in God's presence and see what happens. There are times where I'll just sit quietly and he'll start to bring things that need to be confessed that literally were not in my mind. He'll bring burdens. He'll put people. He'll put some of you on my heart that I wasn't consciously thinking of. And I'll have a great time of prayer and I'll start going maybe down the rows here because I know where most of you sit every Sunday. So I kind of, I can do, 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 you know. Same with Tyler, right? Ty, when he does his rides, he prays for you because, again, he sees a bunch of you and he knows where all of you sit. So he'll pray, you know, and he'll ride his bike with his eyes open, but he'll pray (laughs) for you guys. Prayer is just ultimately the core is coming into the presence of Father. Changes your perspective. He prepares you to walk in the Spirit, gives you wisdom, and you get peace because you choose to lock that in as the basis upon which all your other to-dos come and go. Come and go, right? This article says, are you too busy to pray? It says, busyness should cause us to recognize our lack, our insufficiency, and our great need for God to accomplish the activity and to make it through the day. It is merely pride to think we can do it on our own. Christianity is about dependence and abiding. Allowing the all-sufficiency of God to meet, supply, and empower our lives to meet the need and accomplish what he desires to do in and through us. Are you too busy to pray? Or are you too busy not to pray? As Corey Ten Boom reminds us, quote, beware the barrenness of a busy life. No matter how busy you might be, don't sacrifice your intimacy and communion with God. Are you too busy to pray? Or love, are you too busy not to pray? Right? And everyone here is unique, and we're all in different seasons of life and stations of life. But I think our culture, winding it all the way back again to the pastor, who said, you know what? I struggle with prayer because I see it as unproductive. I'm hoping that that got blown up today. I'm hoping that you'll see that prayer is the most productive thing you can do every day, and you should, like, run to prayer. Like, this is it. Like, but you have, that, that's a choice you have to make. Because, again, a lot of us are wired for productivity and efficiency, and it means crossing things off, and it means doing what you know how to do in your own strength, in your own wisdom, in your own understanding, and you just go knock it out. And you were productive. And you go to sleep exhausted, but it was productive. I really encourage you, take the time to allow God to show you how really productive prayer is. And what will happen in your life if you latch on and prioritize prayer because it is the most productive thing you could be doing, right? And even it goes back, Jesus began his ministry in Mark 135 in prayer. And in Luke 22, right, we share this a lot around here, in the garden. And he withdrew from them about a stone's throw and knelt down and prayed, saying, Father, if you are willing, remove this cup from me. Nevertheless, not my will yours be done. Jesus started in prayer, ended his ministry, about to face the cross and everything. What? In prayer. If he's prioritizing prayer, certainly we should. If he saw value in it, certainly we should. David Guzik says this, Jesus did not need to pray because he was weak, but because he was strong. And the source of his strength was his relationship with God, his Father, Jesus knew that pressure and busyness should drive us towards prayer, not from prayer. 
So if you're feeling it and you got stuff on your plate and it seems relentless, here's my encouragement, my challenge. Let it drive you to prayer. Let it drive you to prayer, not away from it, right? Sometimes you need to clear the decks. You need to turn off the phone. You need to take a drive. You need to go sit at Emma Wood and stare at the waves, literally. Blah, 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 blah. No. Go there. Go sit at the beach or wherever you need to go. Take a walk up, couch rock, wherever you go around here. Turn off the world for a bit. Spend time with Father. Let him change your perspective. Let him prepare you with the spirit and wisdom. Let him give you peace. And then re-engage with the world, and it'll be a radically different experience. Because you'll be different. You'll be different. You're going to respond differently. You're going to view things differently. You might speak differently. Why? Because you prayed. Because you prayed. And so guess what we're going to do for a little bit here? See, this is like classic, right? Oh, yeah, that was a great message on prayer. No, we're actually going to sit and pray. What? Yeah, yeah. I couldn't let it go by, right? We talk about prayer, the importance of prayer. How weird would it be? No, go. No, but here's the thing. Just to kind of, you know, because I know we're in a time constraint and all this. We're just going to sit for about a minute. And I'm going to challenge you, pros uhomai. Be very conscious, very aware that biblical prayer means that you are very conscious of coming before the face of God, your Father. Just for about a minute or so, we're going to prosu homai, and we're going to come before the face of God. Father, thank you. We have this incredible privilege as your children. You say we can come before your throne to find mercy and grace in our time of need. 24 7, 365. And Father, we confess maybe some of us have been so busy that prayer has been knocked down like other things, down the priority list. And so, Father, we take this time right now, even for a little bit, here at home, Triple C, whenever you're watching this, just for a little bit, close your eyes, prosu homai, become very conscious that you have the privilege to come into the presence of God. transforming our hearts and our minds and our attitudes regarding prayer. That we would take full advantage of why you created it. That it truly is supernaturally productive and truly is foundational to everything we do on this planet. All the responsibilities, all the trials, every circumstance, 
Lord, you created prayer so that we can have the right perspective. We can walk in the spirit. We can have wisdom. And we can face it all with the peace of God. Father, thank you so much. I pray that you would speak to each of our hearts about making and carving out a time and a place for prayer. Not just so we can talk at you, but more importantly, that we can just be with you and enjoy our relationship with you and let you set the agenda for our life. And all God's people said, amen. All right, and we have a few announcements. Again, it's August 6th, and uh, first Sunday of each month, we kind of like to use this to kind of welcome people who have been visiting us to, throughout the summer. I know a number of families have come in, and uh, in your seats there, there's some information packets, information cards that uh, we like to make you aware of. Also, uh, if you're new to the church, one of the things you may notice, uh, as opposed to other churches, is during offering, we don't pass you know, a basket or a bag like we used to. Uh, actually, we have a number of ways for you to give here at the well. Uh, there's the church app. You can do it, uh, you know, kind of online if you're technically savvy. You can still, uh, you know, we have giving boxes. We have offering boxes if you still like to write checks or do it that way as well. Uh, but we really encourage you here, again, uh, seek the Lord. The Bible says that God loves a cheerful giver. And, you know, the reality, you just, several years ago, someone asked, hey, can you just... um kind of maybe monthly publish how we're doing financially. You know, we try to be really, really good stewards here. And, and if, you're, if you've been in church any length of time, you know that summer with all the traveling, you know, giving tends to dip. And so if you look in the bulletin, we haven't got the updated numbers for July yet. But you can see that that's kind of, again, uh, this summer, you know, giving is dipped again. And so we just encourage you, seek the Lord. God loves a cheerful giver. There's a lot of ways to give here at the well. And, uh, you know, we try to be good stewards and let... Uh, let God be glorified in all that's happening. And in fact, we do want to give a couple praise reports. Last Sunday, we celebrated incredible baptism, baptisms, right? Amber and uh, the Walker boys, just a, a great time on the patio. And, uh, you know, I, I shared before we baptized them, you know, when I see that, I'm just so blessed because it reminds me that God is still alive and well that he's still speaking to people, and people are still listening, and they're responding in faith and obedience. And all of us really play a part in when someone gets baptized here. Um, you know, sometimes it takes a while, and what they've done is they've been coming, they meet you, they fellowship, they worship together, uh, they're in Bible studies, and when God's timing, you know, they'll respond in faith and obedience. So uh, that was a, a wonderful celebration of a we moment last Sunday with those baptisms. And then uh, after church last Sunday, we went to the Continuing Care Center. We call it Triple C around here. It's uh, kind of a residential care facility behind Ojai Hospital. And, man, it was so great to be back there. We have been going to this facility. We started as a church, so it's, we've been connected with them for 13 years. And we would go pretty much every Sunday and do a chapel, or every month and do a uh, chapel. And... Uh, with the pandemic and everything that happened, that kind of got shut down. And so last Sunday was our first time since the pandemic back. And we are so excited. There was 12 residents came out, and it was just an incredible ministry. And so we want to invite you next month when we go. Come on out, Triple C. Um, you know, it's humbling also because you go there, and they're so joyful. Many of them actually watch our service every week, so they're part of our church family. And you go there, and it's humbling because you're reminded that this is where they live. Right, And we get to come in and we get to bless them. Uh, we did some worship, a little devotional. And then we just got to get to know them and smile and, and enjoy about, what, half an hour, an hour with them. So next month, I want to encourage you to come on out. One of the things we also used to do at Triple uh, C is in Christmas, at Christmas we would uh, do caroling. How many of you have gone caroling? Right, And we do a big carol. We walk around, and, and then we have big uh, you know, food and everything. And uh, we're looking forward. We're going to bring back Christmas caroling at Triple C uh, this year. So this Christmas, and we're going to invite you all out because, again, it's right here. And sometimes, you know, we have wonderful ministry. Mark's going to talk about ministry in Mexico. But we forget that sometimes there's ministry right here in your own hometown every week. And so I encourage you, pray for Triple C, pray for the residents there, and then join us next, next month. It's a great opportunity to kind of get your feet wet in what it is to just go love people, the simplicity of loving people. Okay? And uh, Kathy, come on up. got some announcements about women's ministry. 
Hello. Uh, the Women uh, Ministry is having a workshop it's this Saturday, card-making workshop. Uh, it'll be at 10 o'clock. It'll be here. There's still room to sign up. Uh, we'll make three to four cards. And I, this, um, so I am the lucky recipient of getting some cards from Christine that she has made. She's going to be doing the workshop. And so this is just one of them that she sent to me on my birthday. So um, so they're just nice looking, fun looking. Uh, and I just, I kind of want to say it just as a blessing. It's really something that if you give to someone else, it truly is a blessing for them to receive um, something, you know, from you personally. So anyway, there's still uh, spaces to sign up uh, and uh, we'd love to have you there. Thanks. Um, I just wanted to do the last announcement about Mexico. This is uh, just the first of many about uh, many of you who come here regularly know all about the trip we took in June. We had 23 people go down and build two houses. Well, we have trip number two coming up. Um, it's only about 12 weeks away, so it's really not that far away. It's going to be October 29th to November 4th. We've got quite a few people who've already signed up uh, from a variety of, of churches. So we encourage you, I encourage you, to really just go to the Lord and ask the Lord. Does he want you to go to Mexico? Um, and that's not the only way. We've talked about this many, many times to support these trips. Um, certainly prayer, prayer for the team, prayer for the YWAM staff that we partner with, and prayer for the families that we will be building for. We don't know who they are. We won't actually know until a week or two before we go. And then financially, we have a pretty aggressive financial goal every time we go. It costs about 14 14 5 to build one house. We're building two. So the financial goal for October, and that's only 12 weeks away, is $29,000. Um, I've been doing this for 25 years. The Lord has met our financial need every single time, every time. And I know he's going to do it again. But again, it's just an opportunity for you to join in and help with that. We are going to just to Stick on your calendar late July, I'm sorry, late September, going to have another taco bar uh, that Tyler Morris and his crew and Dio kind of put together for us. Going to do that again in late September as a way to kind of raise money for this effort. But be praying about it. If you're interested, have any questions, see me anytime.